Hello, I'm John Stewart, Global Head of Commercialization for Global Transaction Services at Bank of America, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. For the corporate treasurer, there's always something going on, whether it's responding to geopolitical risk, today's inflationary environment, or even the disruptive surprise of a global pandemic. These trends underscore the importance for CFOs and finance teams to have nimble cash forecasting tools and optimize working capital to adapt to these changing realities. In today's podcast, we will dive deeper into recent trends and how they are impacting companies globally. For our discussion today, I'm joined by Barish Calais, Aziz Parvez, and Moise Vidal, our sales leaders from Europe, Asia, and Latin America, who will share their perspectives of trends impacting clients outside the U.S. Welcome, Barish, Aziz, and Moise. Optimizing working capital can be challenging with inflation, rising interest rates, and volatile supply chains. Having greater visibility into cash flow is critical. Barish, let's start with you. How are clients in EMEA managing their working capital and liquidity right now? Thanks, John. As interest rates rise, cost of borrowing and the cost of rolling over the existing debt increases, and working capital management gains importance, not only for our clients, but for their suppliers as well. We have seen an increase in supply chain finance programs across the region and across the industrial groups. Supply chain finance is one of the most used tools unlocking the trapped cash in the working capital cycle, as well as ensuring the suppliers have access to liquidity. Card programs are also used frequently in B2B space as a working capital play, as it is an efficient way of reaching out to smaller scale suppliers. Another impact of rising interest rates, naturally, is liquidity and cash becomes more valuable. That pushes the need to have the cash forecasting tools in place. In a complex operating environment, corporates are increasingly looking at the cash pooling structures to manage their cash position, increase visibility, and reduce costs via centralization of these processes. Thank you, Barish. Aziz, turning to Asia, there's an increased M&A activity across the region that's impacting treasury operations. Could you tell us how your clients are adapting? John, you're right. We have seen several M&A activities across clients. This brings a number of challenges for clients as they could be looking at different ERP systems, significantly large number of accounts across multiple banks, fragmented liquidity. Now, we have been advising and supporting clients through these processes, as the number of entities keep growing, clients are looking to set up regional treasury centers or shared service centers. They're also looking on behalf of structures to centralize and standardize treasury functions across entities. On behalf of structures, along with products like reference accounts and virtual account management, allows clients to rationalize the account. Now, as clients also minimize the number of banks that they are using, across multiple markets, they are consolidating with global banks like us who can provide all the required services across multiple geographies. Now, to better manage their liquidity, clients are looking at liquidity structures like multi-currency notional pools, single currency pooling across multiple entities, cross-border sweeps, interest enhancement products. All these not only allow the client to consolidate liquidity across countries and entities, but also allows them to use their own funds more efficiently, thereby reducing the requirement for borrowing and overdrafts. Something similar to what Barish was mentioning earlier, 
Clients are also looking to automate and digitize as much as possible to bring efficiency in their processes. These are some of the challenges that we are seeing, and these are the ways in which clients are adapting. Thank you, Aziz, for that insight on clients in APAC. Moises, switching gears to Latin America, open banking, digital payments, and deregulation are driving profound change. Could you tell us more and describe how this is playing out locally and for clients with operations in the region? Thank you, John. Definitely Latin America, well-known LATAM, there are many changes impacting the market and the banking industry. This is really related to the new regulation coming from the central banks, as well as investment and innovation banks are deploying in order to support corporates and multinationals across the region. We don't have enough time to go in detail. However, I would like to share some of the most important trends that is happening in Latin America. Let me start by saying that instant payments in Brazil, known as PICS, is the biggest and most important product rollout in the region during the last few years, based on the strong impact in the market and the high number of corporations expecting for this rollout. The reason is because PIX is the new and most powerful rail handled by the central bank that technically transfer funds quite instantly among all the banks in Brazil today. We are talking about an end-to-end process in just five seconds, 24 hours per day, seven days per week, and 360 days out of the year. As of today, Brazil PIX should be seen as a complement of payments and collection methods in country. However, due to its much lower cost versus other clearing houses, plus individual consumers can be charged for PIX transactions. With these factors, as we can imagine, we have seen an extremely rapid adoption in country since the rollout in December 2021. In addition, For a long time, Brazil has been leading the race of moving from paper to electronic and eliminating cash from the economy as fast as possible. This trend has been extremely useful for multinational doing business there. Another observation is about transaction per capita. Right now, important to mention, PIX is one of the highest worldwide. We are talking about close to $70 million PIX transaction per day and around 21 billion transaction per year according to a central bank. And with a financial value of 11 trillion BRL, $2.2 trillion. Again, PIX adoption has been growing exponentially and just below credit cards transaction. In fact, one important observation is that PIX has not been moving flows from other channels like Boleto for credit cards. Credit cards are still growing as well as Boletos. What is really happening here is that PIX is adding new players and new consumers by pushing the country toward a faster and better digital economy. Switching gears very quickly is the FX regulation. Brazil has also been on the spotlight as a new positive laws have come in effect as of January 2023. Government and central banks understand the complication for corporations and individuals are facing on a daily basis due to the complexity to complete any FX transaction in country. These requirements can include forms and overcomplicated procedures. Now, the new regulation is trying to eliminate or make process more efficient. Just like payments, FX is rapidly changing to keep up the demand of clients and banks. Basically, what we are seeing in Latin America is a general adoption of technologies to current services. Peaks and FX improve our client experience by reducing costs and improving efficiency. Global banks have noticed a positive impact in the market and confirming just how much these trends are important to the future of financial services and treasury areas. 
Thank you, Moisey. Brazil has truly become a world leader in the adoption of real-time payments and digital transactions. Thank you for your perspectives on how improving cash forecasting visibility, working capital management, cybersecurity controls, and implementing new operational processes are changing the role of the treasurer. Barish, the increase in digital payments and e-commerce is expanding treasury oversight even further beyond traditional procurement and payments processes, placing new requirements on treasury. How are clients addressing these changes? John, with the change in consumer behavior and move to digital, we see an increasing trend of B2C practices impacting B2B work. This sets a whole new dynamic for our clients and treasurers as well. Now, the treasurers are getting closer to merchant services and e-commerce. They now need to be involved in the checkout experience of clients. They need to concentrate on reconciliation of these payments since it's a vital part of cash forecasting process. And also with rising inflation, managing the cost of these processes and cost of the e-commerce services is now becoming an important topic. We see the role of treasury is widening beyond the traditional touch points and channels of liquidity and procurement to global merchants, to wider merchant and e-commerce space. And in summary, what we see in the region is that treasury is becoming more strategic. Thanks, Barish. It's interesting to know how consumers' payment types are impacting treasury operations. So thank you for that. Turning back to Asia, Aziz, how are these trends playing out in the region? especially given the need to manage across multiple currencies, countries, and restricted and unrestricted currencies. We are seeing similar changes in Asia-Pacific as well. There are regulations in a number of markets that are trending towards digitization and automation. For example, in India, the regulators have completely digitized the import and export payments. In China, regulators have allowed single-window platform validation solution to directly connect with the China customs platform, now further improving the cross-border payment adaptivity, accessibility, and automation. Now with single payment validation solution, it has made it so easy for companies, they only need to provide customs declaration number, and banks can then access the full custom declaration information via the custom platform for transaction validation during processing. These are the ways things are getting simplified and digitized for our companies and clients. They are also using of regulation in countries like China with regard to cross-border flows. Companies can now sweep out funds in RMB up to 50% in foreign currency, up to 80% of aggregate equity of all domestic participating entities, subject to, of course, approvals and meeting the required sales turnover criteria. These are allowing clients to consolidate their liquidity beyond unrestricted market. And not only with China, I would say, look at some of the other restricted markets like Korea and Taiwan. Even there now, regulators are allowing clients to move some of the funds in U.S. dollar subject to approvals, and these money can move out of the country. Of course, in certain countries, there are timelines beyond which it needs to be moved back, whereas in other countries, those monies are allowed to be repatriated. We are seeing a lot of easing of the processes around the regulation, as well as a lot of progress towards digitization and automation. Thanks, Aziz. It seems as though there's a recurring trend globally here. The rapid acceleration of paperless transactions in the move towards digital are requiring treasury teams to be more strategic in how they operate. Thank you for that insight. Now, Moises, nearshoring has been a way to boost supply chains, 
How has it impacted Mexico? What are some of the opportunities and risks? Sure, John. I'm glad to share more in detail about what is happening around it. Let me start by saying what nearshoring is. Nearshoring is the relocation of productive resources from one country to another that is closer to the final consumer. Having said that, LATAM, specifically talking about Mexico, there is a lifetime chance with nearshoring and the relocating of supply chain closer to the U.S. These represent, from our view, the best growth potential we can see for the country for a long time. We do believe there is a strong business opportunity over the next 10 years. I think it's important to highlight those political and macroeconomic factors threatening this. First and foremost, pandemic effect. Since the start of the COVID pandemic in 2020, we have seen an extensive disruption to supply chains, such as foreclosures, lack of raw material, and manufacturing components. It's well documented at this point that companies exposed to global trade are trying to mitigate the risk from supply chain disruptions by localizing and regionalizing supply chains closer to home. In short, the intention is to make the supply chain more resilient and reliable as a top priority. Also, another influence that comes to mind is the Russia and Ukraine conflict. Due to the war, the supply chain in Europe was affected. Last but not least, the ongoing tension between the U.S. and China, since the U.S. imposed trade tariffs on China in 2018. We have seen, of course, decrease on coming imports from there. U.S., as we can imagine, is the largest market that Mexico stands to win. There are different articles talking about how many Chinese and other companies from Asia, U.S., Europe, were directly linked to buying land and relocating into Mexico as we speak. Now, very quickly, the following question should be, why Mexico is considered the possible winner on this new shoring? This is mainly due to the proximity to the U.S. Secondly, cheap labor costs and also the workforce. And last but not least, NAFTA USMCA agreement in place between Mexico, as we know, U.S. and Canada, facilitating tax implication as well as logistics. With this, Mexico is a natural candidate for firms to relocate production, and as a result, we have seen that Mexico manufacturing sector is booming. In fact, I will say that from what we have seen, energy, automotive, aerospace, and pharmaceuticals will be the sectors and industries that will be positively impacted or affected in the future. This is a great opportunity for companies with press in Mexico to work with a solid global bank through tailor-made solutions for the treasury needs. Important to mention, as always, with any great opportunity, we must understand that there are always challenges that we should take in consideration. For example, one of the challenges Mexico is facing is on the energy sector. Also, a wider and better infrastructure, the country will be required. And of course, increasing technology and improved commitment toward digital transformation. Finally, Considering the huge opportunity and challenges associated with nearshoring, we believe corporations and banks should work together and take advantage of this historical event that will change how traditional supply chains operate and how treasury are aligned to the new environment, including new operational processes, modernization of ERPs, digitalization, among others. Thank you, Moise. It's clear that the changing global supply chains are having a direct impact on treasury operations. As a final question for the three of you, and we'll start with you, Barish, what actions would you advise our clients to take in these challenging times? 
I would say two things. Number one, increasing cash flow visibility via pooling structures, centralization structures, or forecasting tools will be one of the key action items in today's environment. And the second one is, as I mentioned in my earlier part, working capital management, whether it should be via cars or supply chain finance, are definitely critical in today's world. Aziz, what's your thoughts? I would add two things from my side, and maybe slightly elaborating on what Barish already mentioned, that in today's higher interest rate environment, companies should look to optimize their working capital so that they can improve the cash flow and use their own funds before borrowing from the banks. The second would be, as companies look to digitize, they should have a very robust cybersecurity and fraud controls. Recently, the World Economic Forum estimated that cybercrime could cost corporates $10.5 trillion each year by 2025. So if you consider this, you can understand how important cybersecurity is for the companies. So I would say these two things are going to be important. Thank you, Aziz. And Moises, what are your thoughts on the topic? Not too much to add after Barry's and Aziz's comments. From my side, I will say to keep in mind new operational processes, also to update the right ERPs internally. Thank you, Moises. Disruption and change are omnipresent. At Bank of America, our focus is to help our clients solve for today and anticipate tomorrow. With that, I would like to thank our experts, Barish Calais, Aziz Parvez, and Moises Vidal for sharing their thoughts. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights Podcast. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the global banking and global markets divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.